Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Right. This is going to be fun. Up we go. Into time and space. Welcome to Time and Space, the Nerd Party's dedicated Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her co-host and still husband, Philip Gilfus. <laughs> Happy anniversary! Happy anniversary! That's right. We're spending our second wedding anniversary recording a podcast. <laughs> 730 days. 1,000 men. Oh, no, that's not. <laughs> that's different. It's that's, different. That's different. Wow. Well, let's see. You got me two Blu-rays. You got me a Blu-ray of the Cradle, well, of Cradle Will Rock, a Tim Robbins film, and you got me the complete series of Community that we've been slowly watching on Blu-ray, but now we can watch on Blu-ray together, along with all the extras. Yay! Excellent choices. Yep. And then we just finished watching the Avengers, the first Avengers movie, as we're going to be seeing the in-game this Saturday. Yes. With all of its Doctor Who people. With all of its Doctor Who people, <laughs> yes. So it'll all come together. <laughs> Theoretically. Right. Well, because we are having our anniversary, I thought we'd do a little more of a romantic theme for our topic today. So we're going to be talking about companion romances in New Who. So would you like to lead us off, darling, with I'm sure your favorite romance? <laughs> yes, we will start with the first romance mickey slash ricky and rose so what did you think of that relationship it never felt a lot like a relationship and and i I don't think we got to see it as a relationship really i mean we don't see a whole lot of romance we don't see a it just he just happens to be there and happens to be your boyfriend yeah, but I think it's a, it's probably one of the most realistic relationships. I'm not saying the real, but but in as much as there's no romance. Well, no, because <laughs> I mean she's sort of nothing against Mickey, but she's sort of settled with him. I mean yeah. he's into her. Yeah, but I mean sort of it's a sort of complicated thing that where you're not everyone's on the same level, you know, and and so she's taking advantage of him or taking him for granted. And he's always there for her. I mean, you know, and they're, they're kids, of course, you know, the way that it's played. But, you know, I think it's sort of, the way it's played is sort of, quote-unquote, a realistic relationship. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm not can... saying a positive one, but, you know. Yeah, I see that. She, small-town girl, settled for the small-town guy. Right. And that was fine until it wasn't. Yeah, because it almost seemed like... I don't know, I'm sort of projecting that maybe they were just good friends growing up, and and then it sort of just settled into the, I guess we're dating. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I guess we're, you know, and that's it. And Because, I mean, she seems more friendly than romantic, where he seems more romantic than friendly. Yes. And then, you know, she disappears with the doctor, and he's kind of cool with it. I mean, he's not, but he is. You know, it's like, oh, you've been going, Rose, you know, but you're here now, so let's hang out. You know, and go on a date or something, and she's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, I'm not really." And I got bigger things to. Because, like, I think when, um, like, it'd be something to watch again. I was at the girl in the fireplace, but anyway, when Mickey sort of became a companion, mm. uh, kind of full on, or at least you know, 
reserve status. You know, there's those times where it's sort of like awkward because, you know, is Rose and Mickey together and the Doctor's the third wheel or is Mickey the third wheel or is both true and, you know, not true at the same time? And so, yeah, I mean, you see Rose kind of confused about. It's yes. And it's a lot of awkward. The relationship has sort of run its course. But nobody really wants to say, say it. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I'm not remembering all the stories in my head at once. But, I mean, I, I think Mickey slowly realizes it and kind of makes the move of, like, okay, this isn't real. And I mean, that's what I guess when, you know, he goes to the parallel world or whatever. But Yeah, and finds his purpose. new purpose. Yeah. yeah. And, like, and it goes with And his ultimately his new identity. And love. Well, that's, that's, I suppose we'll have, yeah, I mean, that's a transition. Um, we'll talk about it in two seconds. But, like, you know, he sort of settles in the real relationship between him and his grandmother, and he that sort of focuses on a real relationship. And then, you know, when he's like, oh, I think because she's alive in that universe yeah. or something like that. And sort of, like, that gives him more of a grounded, and he's like, well, this is maybe a, the real world. But yes, yes, eventually he ends up with Martha, which is weird ridiculous <laughs> yeah we don't i mean this wasn't on the list but i mean I, you know we could talk about sort of one-off romances i mean martha has like when she travels the earth in the two-parter and i think she has some guy that she's kind of with and then i think there's references that she's maybe engaged when we see her again like after her she's done but we see her again but we don't ever see the full-on until we see and not to to forget her relationship with Shakespeare. That's true. But he was open to anyone, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, but that's what Shakespeare was. Yes, for many audiences. <laughs> so who's next on our list? Next up is Rose and the Doctor. Right, so perhaps a, uh, I don't know, I was going to say controversial, but maybe it's your thing that's not controversial. But that was, you know, sort of a slow burn as well. I mean, I'm trying to remember how much I knew. Obviously, I didn't watch this live, per se. Um, you know, by the time I came on, I think Tennant was in his probably second season with Martha or something. I don't remember. But in any case, yeah, I actually remember. Yeah, so anyway, it may have been like the third season. But anyway, yeah. I mean, what'd you, what do you think of that? Because you came to it, I guess, naturally, right? You didn't spoil, yes. per se, right? Yeah. I think that Rose has a tendency to get herself in unhealthy relationships <laughs> um, and makes bad choices. Because I don't, I mean, this was such a codependency kind of thing on her part anyway. It's a an interesting shift from Mickey, who fancied her way more than she fancied him, to then completely flip to the doctor, and I think she fancied him way more than he fancied her. Right. Yeah, and, you know, maybe there's a, the larger topic of, you know, the, the doctor's... Uh... I mean, sexuality, I suppose, but at least, you know, predication for romance or not romance, you know, seems to be a somewhat, somewhat asexual figure in the classic era. And even knew who to an extent. Yeah, no, I would say... Because, I mean, I've never bought the 11th River relationship is, is, you know, it's flirty and we're led to believe there's sexy time, but it's hard to believe it, actually. It's hard to, and this sounds yeah. weird, but it's hard to imagine it in your head. Yes. 
So, I mean, yeah, because it's just not the doctor. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't... I think I, it's almost more of a David Tennant thing. I think because Tenth has sort of this romantic... But again, I can, you it can buy... feels like this courtly love thing. Mm-hmm. It's romantic and it's flirty, but it's not requited. Yeah. You know, it's certainly not consumated. Mm-hmm. It, I, I, same thing. I can't picture the doctor shagging anybody any well, of the doctors. virgin queen apparently uh it, well yeah early. yeah rumor has it <laughs> but again all of that's a little bit wink wink nudge nudge right. kind of thing you know it's never a yeah hot and heavy yeah yeah and so i i'm sure that the doctor who disappears into rose's timeline still isn't shagging her the the <laughs> I was listening to Tarvis that ten point five apparently is one way to call him. Oh, okay. Yes. I like it. Ten point five. Or was it Hansy? I think it was the other name for it. <laughs> oh bless. <laughs> yeah. So and I said what do you what do you kind of see from the doctor's point of view of his point of view of Rose? Just he got used to it or Oh, I think he cares very much for her uh-huh. but he's a thousand years old. Right. I mean, this is just a blink. It's he's seen too much. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he's capable of that sort of relationship. Mm-hmm. That's my take on it, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it sort of runs the trope, if you will, at least in the vampire stories <laughs> of the vampire and the young girl. You know, because Rose is supposed to be like nineteen or twenty, and you know. As you say, the doctor's a thousand or nine hundred or whatever. We, who never knows. Yeah, yeah. Um, but old, other words. And so, yeah, it is hard to imagine. You know, like I said, with David Tennant playing, I don't mean this in a, in a good or a bad way, value neutral, playing the doctor's lowercase r, maybe capitalized r, romantic figure. Like, you know, you imagine like the first doctor or the second doctor or the third doctor, because that's who that is. I mean, you know, being with Rose. And it's like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, in some places, that oogs me out a lot. Well, <laughs> oh, you know, fifth doctor, if you're, you're, you know, you need an age thing. But yeah, even the 11th doctor with Rose doesn't no. seem natural, really. Uh-uh. And again, you know, each doctor is her own doctor. You know, imagine the 13th doctor with Rose. There you go. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's, yeah. I don't know. It's it's one of the things where I think the story makes it feel right, but then you think about it, and you know, if you really think, well, I mean, in my opinion, if you think about it, you know, maybe the doctor's almost sort of imitating behavior, or he's he's doing what he thinks to do, he needs to do to keep her. I mean, he enjoys her, and I don't because then it gets into the doctor's psychology. Does he? How does he see humans? Are they just a flash in the pan to him? Mm. Does he have real true connection? Yes, I think I think he does. I think he absolutely has real true connection. I just don't think it's of the sexual nature. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, no. I'd, if I were going to see a doctor relationship, I think it would be with somebody like one of the Romanos or something like that. Somebody who has that experience. Mm-hmm. At least to an extent. Yeah. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of romantic Time Lords, and I'm coming up short, because obviously they're mostly in the classical era. Because even the, and this is getting off topic, but even the, the Master, uh, you know which one, of course, the mas- the Tenth Doctor's Master, with, I can't remember her name, his companion, who was his wife, 
but that was really still more of a companion thing, a sort of wife in name only. Like, I mean, obviously he's very uh, sadistic, um, being the master, but you know he's, you know, yeah, yeah. Now, bad example, obviously. Doctor and Mist and, and Missy. So I might could get behind. <laughs> yeah, you know, if they had stayed together longer, him. Of course, that's a little. I don't. I don't even know what the analogy would be. I was about to say it's a little Pygmalion, but that's not true because they're on equal status. It's not where he's over her. Um, I mean, even though he's trying to, to reform her, quote unquote. Yeah, but, no, I would say his relationship with Rose is much more Pygmalion. Mm-hmm. The rain and spine. <laughs> hey, you know those perfect lines. accent for it. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. So, but so yeah, Rose got her ten point five, and who knows what happened? I suppose. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Cool. All right. Next, we have perhaps our more relatable couple, and that is the married couple in the TARDIS, Rory and Amy. Yes, whom I love very much. Also, a little bit of an uneven balance, at least at the beginning. Yeah, I, th- I think the way it's introduced, obviously, you know, Rory's just the the big old nerd, and Amy's all the mis well, not has it together, but the, at least the more what's the word I'm looking for, modelly kind of, you know, confidence. I guess, yeah, has it together in that sense, not necessarily in the life plan sense. Yeah, no, she does run away from her wedding, right? Yeah. And she's very, you know, she plays it young. But I think as the series grows and Rory grows, we see that he has quite the inner strength, obviously. The boy who waited, you know, to to get things done. And And she loves him very much. Mm -hmm. Particularly as they go on. That that feels like a relationship that grows quite organically. Yeah. And, like, for instance, I, I mean, it's a direct point or story point in... The Asylum of the Daleks, when, you know, Rory's like, oh, yeah, everyone knows I love you more than you love me. And she's like, you know, smacks him and says, don't you dare. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And as he grows into his hero status, she realizes it much more. Yeah, and, and you can see their relationship grow because, it, you know, maybe it's sort of the same thing with, with not as bad, but to an extent it's it's Mickey Rose, you know best mates and i guess we're just boyfriend and girlfriend now i guess however that happened you know and we sort of see the the flashback with mel of you know he's always holding a torch for her and then amy just realizes it but then we don't ever see <laughs> she just realizes that he's straight <laughs> but then i guess we don't necessarily see amy going for him you know it's just you know well he likes me so i must like him i guess yeah, and, but then they find that within themselves whilst on the TARDIS, and so we get to watch it happen. I mean, quite possibly we could have seen that with Rose and Mickey if it had gone further, right? Because yeah, because you know, there's almost. I mean, you know, you almost get the feeling that once Amy's with the Doctor, she could probably call the whole thing off with Rory. If, but then sort of having him around and the Doctor playing matchmaker, you know, to the engaged couple. And yeah, they definitely seem to to grow closer, and and they both get their confidence. You know, Roy, you know, secretly probably well, I mean, you know, secretly feels that Amy's really not into him and was really into the Doctor. But then you know, we slowly see that Amy is going to Rory. Well, maybe not at first, but over time, is going to him. And then uh, Amy sees more of what Rory can do. So yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's it. As he gets his confidence, as he becomes that hero, she realizes the strength that he has, and and that is important to her. Yeah, and then we sort of see the the married couple in the TARDIS. You know, after they get married, so you sort of get them sort of living that married life and uh, the sacrifices they they try to do, and but they're still together. So you know, have a baby that they don't get to raise. Yeah, you know, so you have that kind of crazy storyline, but they still are together, making it work. And then the way they end is, of course, they end it together. Mm-hmm. So you know. and then theoretically have another baby. I think they adopted is what the oh is that what the yeah the alligator because she couldn't have kids anymore because of whatever her name is yeah I know you mean yeah, sorry I can never remember her name. even though just listened to a huge big finish about it I uh, know but anyway so yeah yeah I think they were sort of a model couple because as realistic as it can be you do get to see that evolution yes in the relationship yeah yeah I like it mm-hmm. all right next we get boy Clara and Danny. Yeah. Speaking of uneven relationships, they, they're they all a little uneven. Well, I don't know about that one. I mean, what do you think? Why do you think they're uneven? Because I don't think... I never get the impression that Clara's that into him. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I just... I mean, I don't know. It's it's not at all my favorite. I mean, like, you know, we've talked about a little bit about Danny um, a couple of weeks ago. But I think even Danny aside... The way they do Danny Clara is just, Clara is just so odd. I mean, this whole like, you know, they go on like fifteen first dates and they keep yelling at each other and leaving, and then they come back and try again and they yell at each other. I'm like, maybe it just isn't working. Yeah. Maybe we should just accept that. I don't know why we're forcing the romance because it seems like you guys just don't work together. And then it seemed like to me, and you know, whatever you can read into it, I guess. I mean, we just need to rewatch it again. Yeah, but it seemed to me they sort of rushed into we're dating, we're dating, and now we're madly in love. I'm like, I missed that middle part. Yeah, and then she's not telling him when she's sneaking off to the TARDIS, and mm-hmm. it just yeah. And maybe I think you're right. I think we should probably we should do an episode on Danny mm-hmm. and go back and just really watch those, um, suffer through them. Right. Slings and arrows. Slings and arrows, and uh, yeah. Because I think Clara, she's a interesting character, but I mean, I think she, I don't know. Like, who, I'm trying to think of her type is what I'm trying to think. Because I think she obviously fell for the eleventh Doctor, but not like in a Martha way. I, I don't know. I guess how is Clara getting her romantic needs fulfilled? Because she obviously works very well with the eleventh Doctor, and it sort of is her galactic boyfriend, but in a like a work boyfriend in a work husband yes, kind of way yeah but obviously i mean you know i don't know if you, i'm sort of going deep into it these characters theoretically especially they're younger you know we're gonna have you know wants and desires and needs for romance and so how are they getting it where are they finding that and so you know is she if i guess it's danny just comes along and you know you'll do yeah <laughs> I, and maybe that's my issue with Clara and Danny is that I don't know what Danny brings to the table. Right. In terms of the show and the progression of the show. I feel like there were some false starts. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got this whole military background, PTSD maybe thing, but then they don't follow through. Right. And then you've got that they're in a relationship, but that doesn't seem to change really anything that Clara does. And then when you sort of do the future dude they meet who's 
clearly, right? Or heavily implied, or I mean, what else could it be? Their great, 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 whatever, grandson. And I'm trying to remember, it seemed like it was not early in the relationship, but early enough we were like, well, I guess this goes somewhere. But then, of course, it doesn't. Yeah. And so how do you make that work? And the reason is you you don't, of course. And that's the thing. They have all of these things that it's like they're chucking things at a wall and nothing's sticking. So yeah. they try something else. And then they like they kill them off and you're like, yeah, I guess that's sad and stuff. And But I'm not that sad. Yeah, and apparently Clara's like, you know, then throwing keys to the TARDIS and the lava and... Okay, I guess. Yeah. Sure. I, I, I feel you, girl. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that I do. Yeah. And it, maybe is that a pattern there where they're trying to sort of get the third wheel? You know, so we had the Mickey Rose doctor and then we had the Rory Amy doctor. So it's like with Clara and now we need someone to third wheel her with the doctor. I guess they don't feel, you know, comfortable. Just, I mean, I get it. You know, two people... In, in as much as that is a Doctor Who tradition, of course, you know, in as much as it isn't as well, because we've had multiple companions, but the new Who is sort of getting into the, the, the and I'm using classic and sort of a whatever version, the classic sort of Doctor companion, and I guess maybe they're always trying to throw a third wheel in there. But I think you can do that without needing it to be romantic. I mean, a classic Who is a perfect example. Mm. Of, you know, the people in the TARDIS don't have to be romantically involved to make it interesting. And, I mean, is that a, you know, just a 21st century storytelling? Like, can you tell, can you have a TV show that doesn't have romance in it? Yes. I don't know where yet. (laughs) Name them. Well, we just watched The Avengers. Right. That's true. But, I mean, The Avengers in and of itself doesn't, but the individual movies do. Yeah. So, I mean, you have Captain and Peggy, and you have Thor and Jane. You have, oh, well, no, Potts was in there. So, Tony and, yeah. Yeah, but it's like she's at the very beginning, and that's the And last... then he makes the call at the end. Uh, yeah. And supposed to feel sad. So, yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, you know, if you want to go completely off tangent, never 100% sure I'm buying Stark and Potts. Right. Well, yeah. Nor am I sure about Thor and Jane. Right. And Captain America and Peggy, that doesn't work. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he, he you know, yes. Time, she's, yeah, time and space. She's dead now. Yes. Well, um, no, she's not. Yet. Not yet. Not in the one that we just watched. But, right. you know, you know she will be. And then they <laughs> chuck her grandniece at him, and that's creepy. Right. So Life's complicated, darling. Uh, yeah, I'm getting that. You but say it doesn't that. have to be romantic. You and I are a perfect example. Right. I mean, you of... pass on. Your grandniece is going to start looking good. So. <laughs> Trust me, with that sort of attitude, you're definitely going first. (laughs) (laughs) As a story writer, because like I think of, and this is sort of tangent as well, Girl in the Fireplace, where you have a romantic story with a doctor, which, you know, doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. But they play, and that actually works in as much as that does. But even that isn't. It's more of an intellectual intercourse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, it's all very courtly love romance, you but, know. But I'm saying that the, the storyteller, the story writing, the TV t- instinct to find a romantic story, that that's an engaging story. And I'm not saying they do it all the time, but, you know, if they go too long, are they fighting for themselves? So, like, you know, we're not skipping ahead because there's no list for this, for the 13th Doctor. You know, there is no romance. I'm thinking this off the top of my head, right? And the third, there's no... right. 
I'm sure there's probably a romance somewhere in one of those episodes. I mean, like, yeah, sort of like, uh, oh, Lord, I'm forgetting. The Demons of Punjab, of course, about a wedding. But, you know, in as much as there is romance, but none of the main characters are, have yet had a romantic story. I mean, other than you, if you want to read into stuff. But, I mean. Well, and Grace and. Oh, that's true. <clears throat> that's true. You're Graham. right. Graham. Yeah. Um, that's true. But even then, romance isn't that's the, the end game yeah. yeah and i think that's when it works better you know mm. girl in the fireplace romance isn't the end game danny and clara that was all they got yeah and so chucking it in and not doing anything with it and that's why i think rory and amy are more much more interesting because their romance isn't the end game it affects the things that they do mm-hmm. we get to watch their relationship evolve but it's part of bigger stories mm-hmm. and i'm just not sure it's not with mickey and rose it's not with it's definitely not with danny and clara maybe you could argue with rose and doctor right but even then to me the i love you when she disappears still doesn't feel like i'm in love with you i've fancied you all this time technically he disappears but yes you know yeah (laughs) i know that yeah and so and so then when he goes to live with her when when 10.5 goes to the alternative world i'm still going really because he says i love you the 10.5 does yeah and uh but he's part human so yeah Billy Piper's not bad, so, you know, why not? Uh, no, she's absolutely, well, but that's the thing, you know, that's not what... I want to know what love is. I'm sure that's what he's saying to her. Yeah, And then she, she sang her song to him. Did she? What did she say? The Billy Piper song. <laughs> because we want to. Oh dear, this has gotten off pissed quickly. <laughs> so yeah, I think that I think it's lazy. Yeah, it's off. I mean, and again, I'm not accusing the writers here of anything, but I'm offering that. I wonder, you know, without knowing how far ahead they're thinking of their stories, is it the crutch of romance? Because then there's going to be this powerful loss. So, for instance, Rose disappears. Now the doctor feels really sad because he was in love with her. Danny Clara, we want to make Clara feel really sad and go through this whole thing. So we're going to kill Danny. And then, you know, so it's all, you know. And see, again, I just think that's lazy writing. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. And we've seen some great dynamics between companions that aren't romantic. Right. In Classic Who, in the 13th Doctor, we've seen these fantastic relationships that can be much more organic and don't have to be yeah i think the familial and this is getting off tangent but the familial relationship with you know quote unquote grandson and grandfather in 13th is an as a is an interesting new new you know new new approach but at least you know as far as just like random person and a doctor you know so then you have something to build on or something to play with and so or friends right people you have you have ryan and yes yeah. who are friends so at least they you know you have to, sort of yeah 
I mean, they're acquaintances. At well, the they're beginning, school chums. But yeah, 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 not not necessarily the same thing. Yeah, or like Ian and Barbara. Yeah, yeah, coworkers. Which you know, I think it's funny. Not that I've, <clears throat> I have watched all of it, but you know, with that one, it's like you know, there's a romance, but it's so unstated and unshown. You just built it in your head, whether it exists or not. Yeah, because they're just hanging around each other, and I guess it's just people of the similar age, and so being heteronormative. <laughs> Um, so, so any other thoughts about companion romances? No, I don't think so. Any... I mean, I'm going to stick with mine for right now. Okay. Any worries that we'll see some romantic storylines next series? Um, I don't know about worries. I think that, I mean, you could do something if you wanted to go, as you mentioned, heteronormative, if, if they end up doing something with Yaz and Ryan if it happened organically. Yeah, I'm not really for it per se, but No. I'm I'm I don't think I am either. But I'm not very compatible is what I'd say. Yeah. But you know, if you're going to do that, it has to be organic. It can't just be, Hey, I woke up and decided I fancy you. You to one. Yeah. And now we're expected to because if that happens we will know immediately that one of them's going to, to die. die yeah and, and again that's using romance to yep. predate loss sort of the whole like uh it's, it's a version of will they won't they there's a will they won't they in the classic sort of sitcoms and they get together and then the show sucks i think that's that's at least the, the trope but there's the will they won't they where they finally get together and then the person dies yeah. or one of them dies yeah like i'm thinking of i mean there's a million examples but like angel uh, with Wesley and Fred, and Wesley had been pining over Fred, and they finally got together, and then she dies like two episodes later. Or yeah. That episode. yeah, and so, or in, you know, yeah. yeah. So that's no fun either. No. <laughs> no. So maybe we, we, we keep the romance out of the TARDIS for a little while. Yeah, and I mean, you could talk Captain Jack, because I was trying to think of non heteronormative now that we use that word, <laughs> examples. But I mean, there's not, no, I'm sort of talking about sort of a little more long term that we haven't really seen. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's understood about that Jack's going around and shagging everything. Yeah. But we don't really, I mean, he doesn't fall in love. Yeah. I was just sort of thinking what his relationship with the doctor is. I think same thing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't feel like a something as simple as. Yeah, because not to get deep into it i think jack's a top and so uh the doctor is more of a you know he looks up to the doctor and so that's not necessarily his go-to yes Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah all right made you think about that didn't i yep (laughs) and with that we're gonna go into the tardis library when you close your eyes i go to the library go to the library now Now, we recently went on a long road trip for a little bit of Easter anniversary anniversary. celebration. And so we listened to two Eighth Doctor Big Finish adventures, Mm -hmm. um, which I thought was good uh, to do two, because I think they almost have the value of one. So we did two different ones. Of course, we're going in order here of our sort of watching, or listening, of course, sorry, listening to the Eighth Doctor's adventures. And so we did The Stones of Venice, which was released March of 2001, and Minuet in Hell, which was April 2001. So these are the long synopsis here, but I'll try to... It's both of them together. Yeah, so, so I'll, go, I'll do the first one. I'll do Stones. You can do Minuet in a minute. Okay. Um, so for Stone, The Stones of Venice, 
the Doctor and Charlie decide to take a well-deserved break from the monotony of being chased, shot at, and generally suffering antisocial behavior at the hands of others. And so they end up in Venice, well into Charlie's future, as the great city prepares to sink beneath the water for the last time. Which would be a momentous and rather dispiriting event to witness in and of itself. However, the machinations of a lovesick aristocrat, a proud art historian, and a rabid high priest of a really quite dodgy cult combine to make Venice's swan song a night to remember. And then there's the rebellion by the web-footed amphibious underclass, the mystery of a disappearing corpse, and the truth behind a curse going back further than curses usually do. The Doctor and Charlie are forced to wonder just what they have gotten themselves involved with this time. So, yeah, that was The Stones of Venice. Yes. Random, because I did glance at it before we started. The, the High Priest, Vincenzo, whatever his name is. Okay. Mark Gaddis. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's sort of doing a deep voice. So. Yeah. So what did you sort of think of this one? I liked this one. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Venice anyway, so mm-hmm. there was that. And but there was a lot going on. Yeah, there was. There was, you know, as you say, you know, the guy who's been cursed, the the web-footed people, the cults, the art historian. It was. It there was a lot going on that I'm not sure. Like I still don't think the web-footed thing was ever ultimately resolved. No, I just thought it was sort of like a weird thing to take notice of. Yeah. I mean, like, okay. I mean, you know, people have it. Whatever. But like, are they all like that? I thought it was just like that one gondolier. No, no, they were all like that. Because oh. then they were in the water attacking the cult oh, people, remember? I do, which seemed weird. Yeah. And then also seemed to then go unheralded afterwards. And <laughs> Remember when we all rose up and were like killing the nobility? Yeah. And now we're done with yeah, that. Yeah, we're done with that. Um, yeah, and remember that time we drugged Charlie and tried to marry her off to this hundred-year-old man who had put this curse in place but now she's cool with it also, so we're fine understand the drug i guess you're not supposed to but like uh, the, the drug was telling her what to say like how did that work i don't know it was it was powerful drug i guess, <laughs> I, guess. I, I, I got nothing so yeah I, but i liked this one i enjoyed it there were a lot of plot holes yeah because I, I think a lot of stuff I mean, I get that you're supposed to answer stuff at the end, but I think you should answer some stuff before the end. Because, like, you're like, I can understand the curse thing and the Duchess, and that's the mystery. Though I suppose it's maybe a bit obvious after a while. But anyway, it doesn't matter if it is or not. Uh, but the whole, like, how is he 100 years old? It was bugging me the whole time. Because, you know, we don't think curses are real, right? You know, in this world. You know, and or at least in the Doctor Who universe is what I'm saying. And so I was... Hoping the doctor would be a little more, well, point that out a little bit more. Some sort of it was all this energy. It was yeah the energy. at the end. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was guess. sort of like, why is he a hundred uh, years has, old? Why? Why is nobody asking right. this question? Yeah, yeah. And what's the purpose of the cult? It felt like there was just a lot going on that didn't. This could have been pared down and still made sense. Because was his was his uh, what do you call it the Art historian yeah, guy? Yeah, the art historian. Anyway, curator. That was what I was Curator, yes. Um, the great curator. But was he 100 years old, too? Or was he like a recent addition? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I, th- I got the impression that he was probably, you know, older, right. possibly even elderly, but hadn't been hanging around this whole time, just keeps hearing the story about it. Mm-hmm. This this story, in as much as it's harmless, of sort of like, oh, yeah, we'll drug Charlie and she'll marry a guy, which is not great, right, for, you know woman role we're just gonna 
you know, that's not good. It gets worse the next one. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I don't know. I thought it was okay. I mean, that, that was sort of my thought. I mean, there, it's, it's kind of weird to think we've only been, like, three serials into the Eighth Doctor. Yeah. But, but, or at least with this, you know, uh, serial or with a series uh, with Charlie. But I've been enjoying it. But I don't know. I feel like it went off the rails here. Yeah. So, like I said, this Stones is all right. So, then we get into Minuet in Hell, and that's a thing. Also goes wonky. Yep. So, here's the synopsis for Minuet in Hell. The 21st century has just begun, and... Oh, this is why you gave this one to me. Malia Bolgia is enjoying its status as the newest state in America. After his successful involvement with Scotland's devolution, Brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart has been invited over to Malabolgia to offer some of his experiences and expertise. There he encounters the charismatic Brigham Elijah Dashwood III, an evangelical statesman running for governor who may not be quite as clean-cut and wholesome as he makes out. One of Dashwood's other roles in society is as patron of a new medical institute, concentrating on curing the ills of the human mind. One of the patients there interests the brigadier, someone who claims he travels through space and time in something called a TARDIS. Charlie, however, has more than a few problems of her own. Amnesiac, she is working as a hostess, Hmm, interesting choice of words. <laughs> At the local chapter of the Hellfire Club, populated by local dignitaries who have summoned forth the demon Marcosius. And the leader of the club, none other than Dashwood. He seems determined to achieve congressional power by the most malevolent means at his disposal. Yeah, this one was not good. Um, there was a lot going on again. Yeah, this one, I would... I mean, in my opinion, this is a pass. Uh, like, it's not, like, fu- dirt fire bad, but it's just like, no. No, not really. Which is bad, because the Brigadier's in it, right? And I didn't yes. want, want to save it, because the Brigadier's in it, but I would, And you know. how old is the Brigadier at this point? Yeah, because uh, it actually, if you're, you know... Well, I don't know. I'm trying to figure this out, because this is, like you said, this would be now. It's yeah. Upset. But I feel like if the 11th Doctor's story would imply he sort of died... And, well, I guess he died around this time then, I guess. Anyway, because I'm trying to think, because, you know, the 11th Doctor called and he was dead. And, yeah. But anyway. I was also confused because they kept calling him Alistair. Yeah. And I didn't know that was his name. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. But, yeah, for one thing, I think we both enjoy, Jessica and I, the beautiful American accents. Oh, this. my God. They were so bad. <laughs> was so bad. Those were bad. I really, like, halfway through, I was like... Should I just email Big Finish and be like... We're available. If you will give us work permits, we will come and do all of your American accents for you. And even work with your people and make them do better American accents, because these were bad. Because there were sort of two American accents. There was sort of American accent that's sort of your flat version that talks like this. But then they did, oh boy, Southern. and Which is always a fun go-to for... People who don't have our accent to yeah. to try on. 
Um, and it never goes as well as you think it's going to. I mean, they were going between like Yosemite Sam and oh, Foghorn yep. Leghorn. <laughs> yep. was about, I say, what we have here is... Yes. And I'm like, no. Yes. No. All, everything I learned about Southern accents, I learned from Smokey and the Bandits. Yeah, because like, especially the 21st century, like I could get if you were maybe doing some sort of like antebellum or even post-Civil War and you were trying to get away with that accent... Some sort of weird Dukes of Hazard big finish production, which I would listen to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is weird, because it's all about the cars, and you know, I'd still listen to it. <laughs> um, but, like, the 21st century, no. No, you're going to be hard-pressed to find now someone who talks like that. Yes. And, again, it gets all a little mixed up. There's a mental asylum. Yeah, that seemed like sort of the weird thing. <laughs> like, the way the plot was, like, well, A, I mean... I guess it has. It's not great if you're an American listening to this because you're still going like fifty first state. What? This doesn't make sense. Also, yeah. we would not name a fifty first state that. No, whatever that name. Yeah, is. whatever that name is. It doesn't sound like a name of a state uh, in the United States. We're all we're all um, much more. Um, I don't know. Well, they're usually a little more Native American or, or Indigenous people based. But if you're going to do a new one, it's going to sort of be sound a little bit more English, really. You know. So uh, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> New York. New Jersey. That's right. There are a lot of choices here. That and was... I'm not, like, things aren't made clear. Like, why don't the Doctor and Charlie have their memories? That is never explained. Oh, well, I guess, I mean, it's partially explained, but not really, of course. Sort of, basically, sort of the TARDIS had a bad landing, but, well, they just sort of tumbled out and got... Banged their heads. And then got completely out. separated yeah. so that he's at the mental institute and she has been swept up by the police. Well, she's been um, trafficked. And trafficked. Yeah, no, I, w- I was I was getting there. <laughs> so the police swept up her as a vagrant woman, as they've been doing with apparently women. Mm-hmm. And now she is being informed that she's a... Oh, silk bottom, silky, silky bottom, silky bottom there was girl. Like fourth, yeah, silky bottom. She's a silky bottom girl. I forget what they call it. But who yeah. is now having to be quote unquote hostess at this Hellfire Club? And I think Jake Tapper's going to be really mad that they took the name <laughs> of his book. And like the lady is like, now you will not be punished by us for your indiscretions. But if the men of the Hellfire Club want to punish you, they may do so at their discretion. And I'm like, this is creepy. I know. I'm like, what am I listening to? Is this there a rating is for this? Do, do they not rate things in Britain? I, w- I would have appreciated some viewer discretion. Like, yeah. I, I don't know you're into a brothel story um, this early in with Charlie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, mental institution versus brothel? I'm not really sure which way I'd go, honestly. Um but I guess it doesn't help. I mean, you can do it, but it's hard to have a story without the doctor in it. I mean, because the doctor basically doesn't know who he is for like three fourths of the story, and so it's not. And then there's another guy who says that he's the doctor right. instead of the doctor. Yeah, and... and he's pretty convincing there for a while. Even I was going, "All right, what's happening here?" <laughs> um, and there's a machine that sort of reminded me the of mind the robbers. Yeah, we were just watching. Yeah. Yes, and so I was like, "Okay, well, that we're gonna, you know, just... regenerate that idea." <laughs> um, but it also, just seemed weird that you know there's going to be this new state, whatever for whatever reason. I mean, anyway, 
I, you know, se- secession with southern accents and a new state doesn't go bad well. Choice. Bad, bad, bad choice. Bad connotations. Bad. But by any- the way, if anybody from Big Finish listens to this at all, seriously, we're available <laughs> and looking to move back to England <laughs> at any point. So call us. And, but I was just sort of thinking, like, you, you know, so they, they have this guy who's, you know, politically, you know, ambitious, and he thinks being made governor will make, get him to be president. Um, ha ha, you don't need experience to be president. But anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, but, but I was like, so what's his first project? What's really going to do it? Mental institution. I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? Like, oh, yeah. I just felt like there was a concept of, like, focus on the mental, but that doesn't have anything to do with being power hungry. Yeah. I mean, I guess... Even the stealing of the mines, and I'm not, I don't yeah, know. No, no, it was, and then it he, was a hot mess. He was all about serving some Lucifer, and even that was not really out of place. Lucifer. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. It, this was a hot mess. We did discover, though, that Charlie's dead. Oh, yeah, so they're, yeah, they're dangling a storyline for us. Yeah, so a thread. I mean, there is the, and I don't know, because, you know, I'm sure people who've listened to The Eighth Doctor probably know the answer and can spoil us. Please don't. But, like, I'm thinking the sort of this alternate timeline, because she said she could remember dying on the airship. Oh. But, of course, the Doctor saved her or something. So, I don't know, there's some sort of time lordy, Clara plucked out at the last seconds, yeah. living that one second mm-hmm. ad infinitum. Maybe she has to get returned there. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? It'll be interesting. Yeah. So now yeah, this one was terrible. But yeah, we're we're I'm I, mean, I still enjoy the eighth dagger, but yeah, these last two were not not my faves. No, and I, I like, liked the Venice one. Okay, the second yeah, one. Yeah, and I like Charlie. Dumpster fire. I mean, it's still early days for her. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't think they've used her quite well. Also, there was some magic in this episode. There, the young Becky Lee. Becky Lee used yes. magic, I think, and that was never like she started going like blah, 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 and like threw every all the men in the broth around like that was not explained. No, no, yeah. And her grandpa was there, oh. and I don't know what he did really other than be Had there. A bad, bad accent. Uh, well, yeah, that goes without saying. Anywho, so but yeah, so maybe maybe a pass on that one. But for all that, uh, until next week, we hope you enjoy listening, reading, and watching The Doctor's Adventures throughout Time and Space. This is BBC Television.